Hello and welcome to the Hellas Football Podcast. I'm your host Stephen and joining me today is uh, Christian. Back again for after a little bit. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, going well, man. Uh, looking forward to getting into this episode. There is stacks to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. And to join us while, while talking about the stacks of conversation is Nigo. How are you doing, mate? Oh, not bad. Just that yesterday, well, for us, yesterday's morning's results just left a sour, really bitter taste in the mouth. Yeah, there's, that's that's kind of the big thing we're going to be talking about. So we've, we've got both games to to cover the Northern Ireland game, sorry, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland game, um, which doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. But we also have the Netherlands game too, which has got a lot of talking points for the connotations of what's going to happen after the uh, end of the European qualifiers. So we can jump straight into that. Um, first, so as I said, uh, Republic of Ireland, we went to Dublin, got a very solid 2-0 win. Um Yorgos Yakomagi scored in the 20th minute and just before half-time, Yorgos Masuras doubled our lead. Ireland had a couple of half-chances, but they didn't really threaten Vlako Dimos from, from what I watched. Um, so, yeah, it was a good win at the time and it gave us a bit of confidence going into the Netherlands game. Guys, thoughts on any other players that stood out for you quickly? Because we're not going to focus on this game a whole lot. But it's still good that I guess we, we're beating these teams that are in in and around us because at least that gives us confidence for when we get to the playoffs we might be able to beat teams of a comparable slash slightly worse level than us on paper absolutely um look for for this game men of the match for me yakumakis also quite impressed uh, with timikas for this one as you said not really too much else to take away the, the only other thing I'll add on this game as a very very pleased two two well taken goals I was just shocked. Michael got his prediction spot on. I was shocked with how comfortable it was. After the 10th minute or so, we grew into the game. And in that second half, the second goal came at a good time for us. In the second half, we didn't look like conceding. I was shocked that we had it so easy. And 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 Christian, I mean, like I said, does this give you confidence going to the playoffs at least when when playing teams that, you know, we're, we're second pot in the playoffs and we'll go into more detail it with who we, we could be playing later on. But does that win against Ireland at least give you more confidence in this game? Oh, for sure. Like, this hasn't been Poyet's problem, but the sides around us, like your Kosovo's, your Northern Ireland's, um, you know, Cyprus in the Nations League, Ireland in this group, we've got no problem beating the teams around us. But that's that's not an issue. Uh, I'll echo Nikos' uh, sentiments with Yakumakis as the man of the match. Uh, absolutely, he was fantastic. Having said that, though, it was really, I think, hard to sort of single out too many more players because I felt the whole team performance, like as a unit, was fantastic. Like they just played so well together as a team. I want to make mention quickly to someone who I think has gone a bit unheralded in terms of praise for both games, and we'll touch on the Holland game in a moment. But Lazaros Rota, I think, he has improved a lot since last month. You know, I think he had a couple of really solid games, but. Uh, Yakumak is definitely man of the match, but as I said, team performance on the whole, that was, I think, the most impressive. And we, uh, we'll touch on it a, a bit more. More than likely, it's going to be the playoffs. I'm pretty confident when we head into those because sides around us don't seem to be the problem. So I guess we go into the other game. So a few days later, we hosted the Netherlands in a must-win game. We needed to score 
Uh, we need to win by a three-goal margin to at least beat them on head-to-head to qualify for Euro 2024 automatically, and that did not happen. Gus Poyet tried something a bit different with the formation. He uh, he played Gugliaragis as more of a left-back and had Zimikas more advanced in the uh, at the top of the uh, field with Ioannidis um, up top instead of Yakumakis. And in the end, it it spelled defeat for us. Maybe not because of these tactical uh, the formation choice necessarily, but we uh, we didn't take any of the chances that we did have as limited as they were. And after a couple of well, after the first, after one penalty was saved by Vlakovimos very well in the first half, uh, they received another penalty in added time, which sealed it for the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, Virgil van Dijk converted. Bit of a <laughs> unorthodox penalty taker, but there we go. The Netherlands got the win in, in Aya Sofia. And it was a big disappointment for all Greeks all around because that more or less seals our fate in the playoffs as they have a better head-to-head to us. And we need a minor miracle now to, to finish to finish in the top two. Uh, we we basically need Gibraltar to, to get a win against, against Netherlands, which isn't going to happen. Boys, uh, uh, you voiced your disappointment to me on... Um, before we recording and on the day as well, give me Nico. We'll start with you. Give me your thoughts on this game. What happened? I've got a a lot to say, so we'll take it very slow. We'll go bit by bit. Exactly. They they bombarded us from from the beginning. They asserted their authority on this game. They controlled it. We had, as I said, no control, especially in midfield. As you said, he tried something different. In the, in the game against the Dutch, but he should have noticed very early on that it wasn't working and the changes, they, well, they should have been made much earlier. And that, look, I was, I was as I said, there's, I've got a lot to say. There were positives, though. The only, the positives were the performance of Vlachodimos, men of the match. I remember saying during the game, after that penalty save, how on earth does this turn a start ahead of him at club level? I, I got no idea. Couldn't tell you. And no. what about him to go warm the bench at Forest? There was, where's his ambition? He's too good for that. He's way too good for that. Uh, yeah, I knew this was also another positive. It's a shame he, he had that one. I don't even know if you could call it a chance. I, I guess you can. He, it was from a tight angle, but the build-up play was quite good. All, all throughout the game, though, he was a nuisance uh, to the Dutch back line. Other than that, not not many other positives for me. As I said, we lost. We had no control to begin with, and this was a must-win, a free-hit must-win game. If, if we wanted to avoid the banana skin of the playoffs, this was a game we had to win, uh, and it was a free. It was a free hit at home, and the fans, to their credit, turned up. the uh, the The EPO announced the sellout crowd hours before kickoff, so fair play to the fans. The fans turned up. Give them a performance to be proud of. Don't play like cowards and, and sit back and and hope for the best. We we've got. The, the playoffs to fall back on. Go and attack this game. This is the worst Dutch side in a very long time. They're not. They're not France. And over the two legs, the two games against the Dutch home and away, we didn't lay a glove on them. I can't remember their keeper having to make a save. And the the ending of the game pissed me off even more than the first half because we got more desperate and we we actually had some chances, but it was so rushed and panicked. And he threw on Pavlidis. He threw on Yakumakis. Ioannidis stayed on. You had no number 10. It reminded me, it made me sick in the stomach. It reminded me of watching my beloved Villa years ago under Paul Lambert when we struggled. We couldn't beat. We lost to a League Two side playing four strikers. That's what it reminded me of. They didn't have a clue. And that 
oh, and it's look for me, it's all about ambition. It, Christian's right. I've me, me too. I've actually got a good feeling about the playoffs that we will get through. But what happens after that? I want us to be competitive in the group stages. We're going to play teams a lot stronger than the Dutch. If we do make the Euros from here, we'll be the worst ranked pop four side for the group stage draw. We're going to get harder sides than the Dutch. What's going to happen there? I, I don't see a plan. I really don't. Well, I mean, we've we've gone to major tournaments as the second worst team in the tournament yeah. and uh, yeah. went on to win it. So you never know, Nico. Might be if we if we do reach the Euros proper. They, that go. side had best that up. Yeah, of course. Though, they I'm, had I'm, much I'm, look, I'm not discrediting this side because on paper, I think the other side's better now on paper than what it was five, six, seven years ago. Definitely. When we were really struggling against Liechtenstein, Faroe Islands. Look, Kazakhstan, we'll, we'll get on the scenarios later, actually. Um, and Christian, I, I know we mentioned you, you mentioned that obviously Lazarus Rota has, has done well to deputize for George Bulldog. But other than him, do you think that maybe the had to the Akos being injured for both games, um, no Gonzandelias even being started, Costas Fortunis obviously not there anymore. Um, do do you think these these missing players are partially the reason why we didn't we couldn't progress further? Because we like I've been saying about Poyet, I think I think maybe the I think maybe the choices, some of the choices he made to with who he brought and who he didn't bring has come back to bite him a little bit. And do you think that maybe if we had those players it would have made a bit uh, more of a difference against the Dutch in this game. Well, I'll go in chronological order there in terms of who you mentioned. I think the loss of Hudson Diakos, I was initially very concerned about, as we all would be, because he's a mainstay, you know, next to Mapropanos, you know, in central defence. And in my opinion, Hudson Diakos is still our best centre-half and most important. But, you know, even to a lesser extent, he was more solid. But Retsos, I think, and, you know, Kuliarakis, and they deputised for him okay. We just didn't lose a heap of solidity because, you know, Ireland barely threatened us apart from, you know, those 20 minutes in that game in Dublin. And really, whilst the Dutch kept peppering us and peppering us and peppering us, at the end of the day, it took, you know, a penalty for them to actually definitely put the ball in the back of the net. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think, I think Hats the Aquas there could have helped a bit more, but it didn't cost us a heap. What, you know, potentially could have is, you know, Fortunis and Constantelias, they are game changers. There's no doubt about that. And I know we keep banging on about, or Poyet has, that the Fortunis decision was solely his own. And it probably was, you know. But I'm not sure he makes that call like definitively if Poyet doesn't tell him, you're not part of my plans, right? Because we know instantly on talent, he's a just a, such a marvellous player, right? And I think that was a factor in him making that call. Constantelias, you know, it's hard to say if him, you know, going on against Holland categorically would have changed him into a positive for us. He definitely deserved a chance. There's no doubt about that. You know, he's developing really well at Pau. We, we can all see that. Yeah, it's a, as I say, it's a tough one. I can't, no one can categorically say it would have worked, but deserved the chance. So, and I'll just give um, my thoughts quickly on, I suppose, the it. game as a whole. Yeah. Um, the defensive solidity from the game in Eindhoven and how much better it was, that was clear. You couldn't question Poyet on that. But unfortunately, there's, and he talked about this in his first ever presser, the balance of 
good attack and good defense against those sides that are better than, you know, your islands, your Kosovo's we touched on before, that's not there yet. All right. I understand it's really hard because we talk about this Dutch team being depleted and to an extent they are, but I still see, you know, players like Ake, Van Dijk, Reinders, Bergwijn, Xavi Simons, you know, Denzel Dumfries, they're still a bloody good team. And Nico's right. We've got to, he's got to have a plan to have that balance of both working, you know, if we're going to face, well, we will face this team in the Euros if we get there. He hasn't got that balance yet and it needs to happen. And he, I think he's learned a bit more on the defensive side of things, but that he attacked against these two sides of this caliber, that's not there yet. France in France, you can not you can excuse it. You you have to if you go open to play the French in France, you're going to get eaten alive. I don't blame him for that one. It was this one pissed me off. Just to your point, very quickly, uh, Christian and Costandelias, we'll never know. <laughs> now, it, it's a real and it's a real shame because other countries, I, I honestly, I believe other countries by now would have given this kid ten to fifteen caps at least. I think so, and we're yeah. reluctant. And and it's not it's not just a, a Poyet issue. We've had this issue for a long time now with all of our coaches. And uh, just quickly before we continue, Michael has joined us to give his thoughts on the get on the international break as well. Michael, how are you doing? Somewhat better. If I've <laughs> taken, if I'm taking a little bit of a pause during what I say because I'm not, I'm not there physically. I've been vomiting uh, the last two days, so I'm marginally better. Okay. So um. Um, yeah, somehow it's a miracle that I did watch the game with the Netherlands. Um, I've got a lot to say about that than, than I do the, against the, again, again, with the win against Ireland. Um, that's all I can say, Stephen. Um, if you want me to take away my thoughts, I'm happy to do it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, do it, man, because we, we, we spoke yours. about... We spoke about Ireland. We, we've said it's good that we got the win against a comparable team, but it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things for automatic qualification. So, Michael, yeah. give your thoughts on this, on this game because everyone else has. Yeah. Um, it all started with that lineup, and I'm going, okay, I see what Poirier is trying to do. Um, so he had uh, shifted Timikas forward to a left-wing position, initially, and Kuliarakis as a left-back, which he's never, ever uh, played there in his career before. He's a 20-year-old guy, and, and I understand maybe why he put them there. That's because of his uh, long-range passing, which we know he's a very good distributor in that. And um, I've got... Oh, he started... Um, Yo, I knew this. I've, got, I've given him the nickname, The Animal. And that's what I'm going to keep on calling him now. Yo, I knew this. The animal. Um, personally, he was my man of the match. And I'm just going to, I'm going to get into that later on. Initially, I thought the lineup was okay. I saw what Poya was trying to do, hold off the Dutch. And then in the latter stages of the game, go all out and sneak in a win. And that's exactly how I predicted it in the last episode, how we would win, a 1-0 win. But this was not the case. So um, this was far from reality from what I saw in the early, hour, early crazy hours of the morning of Australia. Um, 
it was the total opposite. Um, it was the Dutch from the get-go. We could barely hold on to a ball, the ball, uh, could barely hold on possession, could not string at least two to three passes against a depleted Dutch side. And when I say depleted, it, it is still depleted no matter what, but still. It, it, we're talking about the Netherlands here. A, a high-quality team, doesn't matter who they have in their squad, they still have the quality over us. But that does not mean we cannot go face-to-face -face against them and beat them, which we have done before. And I know it was a friendly game seven years ago. That was under um, Michael Skibby. And I hate saying his name, but he's the only one that could um, uh, outclass the Dutch. Uh, but we just could not do it in this game. I don't know. I don't understand what uh, what Poirier tried to do in terms of tactics. Um the only one that I saw that really put in uh, the, the effort, and that is Fortis Ioannidis, the animal. Anytime the Dutch were playing from the back line, Forti did not stop, did not stop chasing the ball, kept on pressing. This guy is should be in contention for that starting striker position. I've never seen a striker, even though he didn't score, I've never seen a striker in the ethnic league play with such uh, aggressiveness and such hunger in his game. And that is exactly why at Banathanaikos, Jovanovic is trusting him. He's shown that full trust. And he's gotten that full, gotten that call up for the ethnic league, and it's clearly showing why he's the future of our front line. And I was really superb with him. Um, if only, if only he had that service from the midfield. And I did this, I did say this to you boys after the match. If only Gustavo Poye um, had either a Galanopoulos or a Alexandropoulos in that midfield, it would have been a driving force for this team. Because one of those two. And bring that ball forward along with Bakaseta. He's got that eye for attack. But one of the Bagalanopolo or Alexandropolo can drive that ball forward. Would help support our attack. And we would have had at least a goal or two in this game. It would have helped us clinch a, clinch a win here. But anyways, the ball is round. Anything can happen. I'm just only saying what I really think of those two players who could have started in the midfield, and we know those two players can make a difference. Um, I just don't understand how Poya did not utilise both of these players, who we know can make an impact for their clubs, and we know can make an impact for our national team. It all went south, and we all saw these substitutions in the second half, um, bringing on three strikers, but then you're wondering, hang on, it brings on Fundas. Not that I don't hate the guy. We know what impact he can make as a super sub. And I'm not saying a super sub, he scored a goal. No, uh, we know the impact he can make. He can hurt, he can hurt defences. But where was our true number 10 player? Costandelias. 
a young rising kid for Balk who has come off the bench. Luchesco has bringing him off the bench, and we've seen he's made an impact in games for Balk. And Balk have gone on to clinch three points because of this young kid by the name of Yanis Costandelias. We know what this kid can do. But we saw none of them again. And as I mentioned in the podcast last week, there was a news article on Sport24 screenshotting a video of Poye and Costandelias hugging each other. What does what are they what is the media trying to say here? That Poye has earned the trust of Costandelia again? Or Costandelia has earned the trust of Poye again? We know Poye now. He does not know how to how to uh you know think outside the box. Stop picking your favorites. Because the favorites clearly came on. Bukhalakis. But I have nothing against him. Um, but he's not someone you will want to bring on at 0-0 and to try and change the game. You need a Costandelias type player. And we had none of that. He brought on three strikers, hoping for all the best. That's not the way to do it. And that is what um, that, that is what that was our downfall in that game. So I don't think we registered a shot on target. But the only one that could have done it was Ioannidis, even though he had zero shots on target. But as I said, an animal. He was the only one that tried. But at the end, um, it is unfortunate that uh, we came to this result uh, conceding a late penalty. And by the way, the penalties, there were penalties. There's no UEFA Mafia in all of this. Um, there's no arguing against that. I said the same with the uh, encroachment with Vlakodimos' save against France. There was no UEFA Mafia there, but all I said was call for consistency because we see that around the world. This case with two penalties, no. Um, there is no UEFA Mafia there. They were both clear penalties. Kuliarak is pulled down Van Dijk in the box. Pavlidis pulled um, Robbie's uh, arm, went down in the box. And Retsos is lucky not to concede. At least he won the ball. Uh, but they were, both were penalties. It's just unfortunate we lost 1-0. But a game could have been better executed by Poirier had he put on the right players and adjusted his tactics. And so I'm going to direct my next question to Christian, because you have something to say anyway, Christian. Poyet's come under a lot of criticism since the end of the game. Um, how warranted do you think some of the criticism is? Because obviously this was an important game for the ethnic gear. This was potentially a, a win for the taking, maybe, if we'd got our tactics right. But do you think that he's warranted all the criticism to the extent where people are even saying he should leave at the end of his contract, which expires at the end of 2013, which would be just before the playoffs in March. Uh, look, I'll touch on the, the I suppose, the need for the criticism of, you know, some of his actions. And they're 100% justified. You get no arguments from me there when it comes to, like, the players he brought on, it clearly didn't, you know, spark the... the 
you know, equal balance we needed for attack and defense. We still didn't get that with the changes he made. Uh, let's not forget as well, which we might touch on a bit more in a bit, but the red card he cop, you know, just ill-disciplined. I think he mentioned in the post-match presser that, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm paraphrasing here, but he knows what I said to him. That's what Poyet was saying, I think, to might have been the fourth official on the touchline. Like, you don't voice your displeasure in that way. You can disagree with the ref's call all you want, but you just got to keep, I think, your emotions in check a little bit better than he did. When it comes to if you should uh, stand aside, no, I'm not on the, the fact you should resign from the position because it's not like we don't, we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about, is, you know, we've got the playoffs to fall back on, right? He helped us get in that position. So, no, I'm not calling for him to step aside from the top job. One thing I also, and I, I'm not going to cop, is the fact that he's solely responsible for the result. I don't believe that's true, right? Because I'm glad Michael actually touched on the two and, you know, two factors in this result. Uh, the penalties that were given away, you know, a clear tug by Kuliadakis on Van Dyke in the first half and luckily Blachodimos bails him out with a beautiful save after the penalty. And then late in the game, Pablidis completely didn't spot uh, the run of Dumfries on the right-hand side. Dumfries gets goal side and he pulls him down. Um, as great as Ioannidis was, and I'll echo, you know, Michael's sentiments about him being an animal, like, he was brilliant, of course, but there was a situation where, you know, he works his ass off and good on him on the right-hand side and gets to the byline and tries to have a shot from the acute angle rather than square it. Uh, the Funtas chance late in the game where zero power on it straight at the goalkeeper, right? The, yeah, I see. I think you see what I'm getting at. Like, you can't put the entire blame on Poyer, and that's what pissed me off a little bit with a lot of stuff I was seeing, you know, post-game. It was all, you know, Poet should have done this, Poet should have done that. And I get it, of course. Like, he's not undeserving of the criticism, but you can't put the entire blame on him. That's what I'm trying to say. And and like you said, Christian, he got himself sent off for uh, criticising the decision of the referee. Uh, UEFA have the right to ban him for up to three games, and so that would include... The playoffs. I, I don't know if it is, it is it both of them or is it just the player? It's is it just the is it just the game against France and then the playoff, the first playoff, and then the I think the, it's the friendlies. The friendlies don't count. We've got New yeah. Zealand next month. Yeah, is it New Zealand first, but then the suspension would come into place for the get last game of the qualifiers against France and then whoever we play. In the playoff semi-final and then the playoff final, if I'm correct in in saying that, okay, okay. I believe because the 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 semi the playoffs aren't two-legged anymore. It's just one game, one leg. Twenty-first yes. of March yeah. in Greece, Kazakhstan at home. Then they draw. It's actually next month in November. They draw the the, the destination for the final. Sure, the, the winner sure. of our game against Kazakhstan. Because Kazakhstan now has essentially, it's unlikely they qualify automatically. The other game is going to be because Turkey's in automatically. It is Georgia versus Luxembourg. So, yeah. So, Georgia hosts Luxembourg. And then they draw out of a hat, basically, who who hosts the final. Let's say us and Georgia will be the favourites. If they win, then, yeah, where the, where the final will be held. And and as you touched on, Nigo, that the play, we are... 
I think it's sub 1% chance of us not um, qualifying automatically now. It's, it has to be a minor we, miracle. Um, we need, yeah, Netherlands to get zero points from games against Gibraltar and Ireland. They're going to get six not, out of six. Yeah, that's not going to happen. They're going to get six. Yeah, I agree. And so we are the second best uh, ranked team according to the European uh, Euro 2024 qualifier playoffs in path C. And as Nigo said, we were more than likely to face Kazakhstan in the semi-finals, who beat uh, Finland yesterday, 2-1 after coming yes. back from 1-0 down. So while they don't have a lot of quality, I've looked at Kazakhstan's team before, uh, they don't have a lot of players that play outside of Kazakhstan, but they are they can be dangerous. And um, that's not me downplaying Greece. That's not me saying that we're not the favourites. We are the favourites for this game. And we've beaten teams with a lot of confidence that may not have the quality before. But when it comes to teams that either haven't qualified for a very, very long time, longer than even Greece have, and or, and or teams that haven't qualified at all, we have to be careful because they are going to be up for it come uh, next year. And as you said, Nico, if we get past Kazakhstan, we then play either Georgia or Luxembourg, both of whom, well, Luxembourg, Luxembourg are the underdogs, but Georgia are the ones with real quality in their team, you know, Gravak Skelia from uh, Napoli in particular, who I rate very highly. So, guys, any any other thoughts on the Netherlands game or any thoughts um, on the kind of fallout from this, in, which include the playoffs as well? Anything from... Uh, we'll, start, we'll start with Michael. You got any thoughts? The mentality. I want to touch on that. And I I know there was a few comments before the match why we're being so dramatic. Hang on. Let me be clear on this. We are fighting for qualification. We got 10 years to qualify. We either had two chances. That was through the group stage and through the playoffs. So which one do you want? Well, personally, I wanted automatic qualification. I never said it was impossible. Never say things impossible. We won the 2004 Euro, for God's sake. So how can we not do this in a group with France and Netherlands? We can absolutely can do it. It was in our hands, and we blew it. So why can't we have a high mentality? Thank you. So we've only... Why do we have to settle for quality with Ireland and all that? We are not at that level. Why can't we think higher than that? We have one trophy in our cabinet. Why? Why can't we say no? We want to be. We want to go above our above our weight, above our expectations, and go for it. So we've settled for the playoffs, which, look, at least that's another chance. But still, I wanted automatic qualification. And we need, and it, it's, a, it's a mentality issue that we have at the moment. So is it not only on Poye? It's not only on him. It's also on the players. It's everyone involved. It's also on the federation. And it is an issue that we've been battling for 10 years since the la that's the last time we made a tournament. And if we don't make it against the nations of Luxembourg, Kazakhstan, and Georgia, we have a serious issue. That's all I got to say. Uh, Nico, I'll go. If to we next. don't, 
if we don't qualify from here, all hell's going to break loose. Because Georgia, Kazakhstan, and Luxembourg all have one thing in common. None of those three have ever reached a major tournament before. So imagine the chaos that would break out. Oh, I hate to imagine. And and they're not going to fear us, by the way. I, I don't think they're going to fear us. No. That's the thing. But I think Michael's spot on. It's mentality. For me, mentality, the media... The media's not gone. Yeah, they've gone soft to, to an extent on it, on it all. And it, and it was a must win because they these playoffs are going to be banana skins because they're not going to fear us. And as I said earlier at the start of the top of the show, we, we, we need we need to be more ambitious across the board. And 2014 Euro, what, there's 52, 53 countries that participate in qualifiers. So let's forget Gibraltar, San Marino, Liechtenstein. Let, let's round it off. Let's say 48. It's essentially half. Half the countries essentially qualify for the bloody tournament, the group stage. And if we miss out on a third successive one, well, seriously. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you. No, it's no buts. I don't want to hear refs, excuses, injuries. We have to beat both comfortably. Kazakhstan and the winner of Georgia Luxembourg. And, and before I go Which, to... look, I, I think we will. But as I said earlier... What happens in the group stage when we play their stronger sides? And as Michael said, it was imperative to get automatic qualification because that would have gotten us into pot three. Now we're going to be in pot four. Yep, and bottom of pot four as well. And and just before bottom. I go to before I go to you, Christian, I just want to touch on what Nico said about um just yeah, I I think it this this would feel doubly as frustrating as any qualifier that we failed to reach in the last 10 years because we've had two opportunities and at least try and make I think the frustration for me especially is at least try and make the most of the, the two opportunities you have, you know, push to the very end to try and get automatic qualification, which I guess in a way you could argue we did because it took it. We literally got to the penultimate game before we had qualification, automatic qualification more or less taken away from us. But then events earlier on have also been the catalyst as to why we haven't got automatic qualification in the first place. That being the game against in Eindhoven when we lost three nil. And so if with the, I hope that we are prepared and uh, enough for the playoffs that we will go there and go all out because that's it's simply what the team has to do now and it's what Poyet has to now work towards. Though that, that game against the against um, New Zealand and the last game against France at Hagia Sophia, they have to be used as preparation for the playoffs for me because France is probably you can't get much better opposition than the French before you play lesser opposition. Uh, in Georgia and Kazakhstan and Luxembourg compared to France. Um, so, Christian, may, now that I've given my quick thoughts, give me give me your thoughts overall. Yeah, look, I'll um again, I'll echo uh, the sentiments of most of you. It, I think, and Poya did say all along, number two was the goal, right? He identified France as the best team in the group, as we all did. That's obvious. And as we've all sort of touched on or implied, second wasn't out of the question. We could have got that. We haven't. And it's disappointing. Of course it is. Because you don't want the already defeated, you know, mentality sort of thing, right? You don't want to have to, you know, go to the playoffs and, you know, rely on those to get there. I would have preferred second as well, of course. But that's that's not up for debate either. Because you want the right mentality. Absolutely. And so I guess if if is there any very 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 lasting thoughts for yeah. for for now before we move on? Yes, 
just to to the media in Greece. Yeah. Um, to the media in Greece, you are a bunch of malakias. You can go shove your articles up your ass. I don't care what you writers, journalists write. You guys share that same loser mentality. And the only article that I read, and it's the one that Apostolo showed me in the in the group chat that we're in, and it's from Sotirios Milios from SDNA. Go read it. And if anyone wants to read it, I'm happy to share it. Apostolo is happy to share it. Nico's happy to share it. Christian's happy to share it. Even you, Stephen, you're happy to share it. That is the most accurate article I've ever 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 read on the national team and about the mentality. And it's all not only about the team, it's also in regards to some of the fans. I want to point this out. Albania have practically qualified. Not that I have a problem with it. Any nation can qualify. I don't care. But do not tell me that we have a quality we have a low quality and this is our level. No. I don't care what level of quality we have. I want compact playing football. Play as a team. You all get together, you work as hard as each other. Play as a team, get that mentality straight, and go for it. That's exactly what Albania did. They don't care who's in the team. I don't care if they play Conference League football, Europa League football, or they don't play uh, none at all. It doesn't matter who you have in your team. Another example is Kazakhstan, who are going to face in the playoffs, potentially. How many players of Kazakhstan play outside of their domestic league? And look where probably they're sitting in none. there. Next also, you know? Do you know? I, I, I'd be curious to know. Um, there aren't, uh, there's only one... Uh, sorry, there's only two uh, team members who do not play outside. Well, uh, so there are... Actually, well, no, there's more. Well, there's, well one, two, three... Four. Okay, so there's six players that play outside of Kazakhstan. Three in Russia, yeah. one in Turkey... One in Slovenia and one in Serbia. Yeah. So none of those it's leagues about, are considered a European major European to, uh, top five league. It's all about mentality, boys. It doesn't yeah. matter who you have in your team, where you play. Play as a team, get that mentality right. There's no, uh, there's no bad in saying why can't we be more ambitious. We as a nation have won the Euro 2004, I'll keep saying. Why can't we be ambitious? We have to be ambitious. We must be ambitious. I'll use that word, must. For Why sure. can't we? Why we have to settle for uh, uh, saying, oh, this is our level? No, I do not accept that. So there is. that's all I have to say. And we've got to look at, Countries like Albania, what they've done, and Kazakhstan, what look what they're doing at the moment. Why you, you yes, don't get there's no, to, there's no yeah. excuse. There's no excuse. Seriously, you don't get to clubs like Liverpool, Timikas, West Ham, Mavropanos. These are big top top five league guys playing in the big five leagues. You don't get there for without for no reason. We've got the guys there. They they don't. 
And it's not it's not only Albania, which if we got them in a group stage, George, they they at the moment, the way it is, they'd wipe the floor with us. But Hungary, Stephen and I were talking yesterday about the rise of Hungary over the last decade. This time ten years ago, we weren't just ahead of them, we were miles ahead of them. Now it's done a it's gone complete 180 there. And even like I remember, I remember in Serbia for ages were struggling to qualify for anything, and they in more recent years have qualified for stuff and have looked good, and they have better quality players now. But you you see all the teams that have started to overtake Greece, despite the fact Greece do have a lot of decent players on paper who play for some big clubs in Europe's top five leagues and you know the Super League as well. Um, so I think that's also the the other frustrating thing we're seeing teams that are so much more compact, so much more passionate, and so much more motivated to compete for their national team and try and reach a major tournament for the first time ever for them. While we, as much as we need to acknowledge, obviously, you know, we, we caused the greatest upset in football history. And I'll always say that you can't convince me anything else is bigger, but at the same time, we just, we, we need to, we, we, we as, a, as a nation, we need to try and focus as well on, on just get, actually reaching a tournament. Cause I, I don't want to go more than 10 years without seeing Greece in a major tournament. And that 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 twenty fourteen Euro, Stephen. Twenty fourteen, half half of half the continent qualifies. Exactly. It's not. It's not. It's not like it was harder. Arguably, when Greece were qualifying, when much harder. And it was. And now, yeah, third, third in the groups. If you one of the better third places, you can make the knockout rounds. The last sixteen, as well now in the in the group stage. Yep. It, it's if we, and I remember saying like back then when when we we're in pot one, we we're getting all these easy draws back then. 2014 Euro will be there every single time and we haven't made one since. And yeah. it goes back to what Michael was saying about ambition. Surely the, the the media, again, this is, surely there's enough, we've got enough to be one of the best 24 out of 52, 53 countries. Surely. And yet we haven't been in the top 30 best teams in the world for coming up to 10 years. After after twenty four uh, after twenty fourteen it dipped after the qualifiers for twenty sixteen and so it is coming up to tw- about nearly ten years since we've kind of been ranked up there with some of the best which is a sad to see I remember when Greece were eight finished eighth the highest we've ever finished yeah, I remember in that. the world Twice. FIFA world rankings yeah crazy mm-hmm. uh, any any lasting thoughts and and then we'll move on to domestic football because domestic football is back and there's a big game uh, this weekend but yeah any lasting thoughts. Okay, then we'll move on. So that was the international break. And yeah, this, as you can imagine, <laughs> if you've got this far, we are very disappointed. Um, and we hope for the playoffs to at least be more positive and we actually see us uh, see the ethnic E qualify for Euro 2024. So we'll, and we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about the playoffs when they get announced and, and such officially. And, and also, you know, where, where, if the fi- where the final is hosted as well. So now, guys, we move on to, the Super League, because as I said, club club football has is back. The international break is over, and so the first. So we'll just I'll just rattle through the games quickly. Friday night, uh, La Mia hosts Basianina, and on Saturday, uh, Banatoligos host Volos. Bansaraigos host Aris. Sunday, Asteras Tripolis host Aek. Fischia host Ovi. Balk host Adromidos, and the big one. Olympiagos host Panathinaikos at Gareskaki. So massive, massive game, as it always is, because it's the two biggest t- teams in Greece, for some, uh, playing each other. They are, they are. 
Yeah, some some may disagree Try, with God, but for us, nah. it, for us, we, they are. They are. They are. You've got to no. You got to call a spade a spade. They are. They are. If so, you talk trophy cabinets, supporter base, all the surveys you see that between the two clubs alone, there's uh, over what close to eighty percent of great, great football fans support the two, the two clubs alone. Just I think yeah. it's just under eighty percent. It this, is crazy. Recent stats, yeah. So we'll give our quick thoughts on the, on the big one. So, Nigob, how confident are you in this game? For, for sorry, how confident are you for for this game against us I, at Garisgaki? I honestly can't call it. I, it's strange. I know. I really don't know what to think. I, I think that it. I, I I don't know. I really don't. We're known for starting or for resuming very being very solid uh, from when we return from international breaks. That that's been a I don't know the exact the stats or anything, but it's a known fact that we I've read it somewhere. I've seen the stats somewhere. We we always bounce back. We always come back with a win when club football returns, and the players are well rested. Aral was in Santorini. Um, the the Slovenian boys Tedin scored a nice goal, nice free kick uh, this morning for Slovenia. They've got one foot in the Euros as well. Um, but then on the on the, the flip side of that. We don't have a good record against you guys away, which is a worry. That that's where the league was lost last season for us as well. So that's that's why I really don't know how to call it. A loss here would be catastrophic because we're we're six behind uh, on the ladder already early doors. If we win, we're actually ahead on ahead of you guys on head to head. If I had to say a score, I'd go one all draw. Okay. I mean, on on the Olympiagos side of things, before I go to you, Christian, the, the there's been I've, I've been seeing trickles of news of preparation. Diego Martinez has been trying to get the likes of Nicolas Freire and Vincent Vicente Abora and and Doifit. They seem to be. I think they'll be ready. Um, and then players, you know, El Gabi has been scoring for fun for Morocco. So we 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 we're, we're coming back. To the uh, we're coming back from the quality, the like the international break in a fairly good position as well, and hopefully the players that stayed were well rested. And I guess that's sadly, well, I guess sadly for some, and not maybe not for for Olympiagos fans, but Costas Fortunis got a rest, so he'll come back looking, you know, is is as as good as ever uh, for this game. And but Podence is very hyped up for this game. There was a stat that Podence is undefeated against Panathinaikos, two wins, two draws. So he'll be, I think he'll give you guys some trouble, Nico. Um, it, it's going to be a battle of the attacks because you guys are stronger in attack than defense and we're stronger in attack than defense. But then on, again, on the flip side to that, it's a derby, especially us playing away. Are we going to open up? It's a very intriguing game. Yep. Christian, you're a Lillibiagos fan as well. Any thoughts on this game? Yeah, like Nico, I'm sort of really struggling in terms of how I definitely see this is going to go. Like, the point he raised about, I think, Panathinaikos course, not being, you know, very strong recently as the Kardaskak is a good one. Like, off the top of my head, I can't recall the last time he's won there. But uh, at the same time... The season, yeah. the season before, not last season, the one before in the playoffs we won. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was more thinking sort of the regular season. but um, not, not last season. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And another thing I want to bring up as well, both teams have got uh, the European fixtures... A few days afterwards. So, in terms of elevens, you know, the does the Jovanovic or Martinez have you know the games against I think Ren 
uh, and West Ham respectively in the back of their minds as well into in terms of who to put out there. I think not, Nicole, am I right in saying Panathon Icosa at home against Wren a few days later? We are. That, that's a whole separate issue in itself, that one. I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have I know. Why, I know why, yeah, I know why you sort of touched on why it's a whole separate issue, but in terms of, you know, starting 11s, you wouldn't have to put in, I suppose, travel time as a factor in, but in that, like we could see the same 11s for the derby and then again, you know, for the European matches. So, yeah, I guess it's a long way of saying, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm a bit in the dark about a categorical result. 1-1 one, one is probably not a bad call, to be honest. Uh, Michael, any thoughts on this game or any other games that take your interest this weekend? I'm a fence sitter with the derby. So I'll just go quickly and say it's zero zero. Um, probably the most. It'll probably be one of the most intense derbies in a long while. Um, you got a strong Panathinaik course. You got a strong, well, not a strong. Well, I'll say strong Olympiakos, but a reviving Olympiakos side um, after the after the abysmal season they had uh, last season. So it's gonna go. The clash of a bulls. So, um, see how it goes. I'll, I'll say nil all in in the derby. Um, I mean this this is all being all, albeit the defense actually uh doesn't shoot ourselves in the foot. I I'll, I'll go for a win. I'll quietly confidently say a win. I'm not. I'm normally quite a pessimist, but then I think I'm normally a pessimist because when I say one thing, the complete opposite will happen. So now that I've said that. Uh, Banthan Igos will win 1-0, <laughs> even though I've said Olympiagos to win. Um, I, get, I guess looking at the other games, Banthan Igos hosting Aris will be interesting because they're in having a good vein of form. And then the big, the other big one, I guess, is the the uh, the, the relegation six-pointer between Banadoligos and Volos, two, two teams who I don't think either any of us, I guess, well, I guess with the exception of Banadoligos in the playouts last season, you wouldn't really put those two to be in relegation battle at this point, but that's the case. They they both haven't they both haven't won this season yet. Um and so that's gonna be a very interesting game as well. Um so I mean any any other any other things that we need to talk about before we wrap up? Just, just quickly, uh, what I what I was saying before about it being a whole separate story about our European fixtures against well, the first one now, Ren. Uh, it's it is going to be at Leo Foros, but I don't know if you guys have heard. We ran the risk of not releasing any tickets at one stage, and I, was, I think it may wow. still be the case. There's been no word on that because apparently we've got to we have to have away fans. UEFA is going to have their sponsors and officials. Then there'll be club sponsors, which doesn't leave many tickets available. Then season ticket holders as well. So for the general public, there there, there won't be any tickets probably got going on sale. It, 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 yeah. That's up in the air still. Sounds like a very exclusive game to go watch. Benefit Igos versus yeah, Ren. Yeah. But then this is all down to the fact that Oaga is not uh, suitable for use because for some reason it wasn't prepared before the start of the of the season. In next season, it's out of action too. You're joking. Is that the yeah. case? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. whole year. The whole the whole of um 2024, I've oh, heard. Yeah. Blimey. Yeah. Goodness yeah. me. They've lost out big time the club on the revenue ticket sales. There was also one of the rock bands, a concert that was meant to take place as well at Oaka. Well, at least we know the Greek Cup final won't be held there. No. Good. Um, 
I guess a, um, I guess a sh- well, another footnote thing that was mentioned over the international break, but we haven't spoken about in the podcast as far as I remember. Chris Coleman has left Adromidos. He got sacked more or less after we did last week's episode, and it's probably understandable why. You know, n- no wins. They've had a really poor start they, to the season as well. Guys, f- fair, fair, um, fair sacking for for Coleman in the end. Um, he yeah. didn't get sacked. He resigned. Sorry, he resigned. My bad. He resigned. Yeah, no, no. Because um, yeah, I had to look into it. Um, it was his decision to leave. Um, and he came out and said what he really thought, and um, that was that. That's the end of um the Coleman era at Atromitos. And to be honest, not much was going there. So I don't know who they'll find. I'm. Maybe we've missed it. Maybe they have hired someone. I don't know who. Um, which they've got a match against Balk. As it stands, believe, it the job is... Yes. Uh, let me just quickly check. I'm currently... They yeah, they go to Balk and uh, to Dumba. And as, as it stands, they don't have a manager. They are still... Uh, so I imagine their assistant will have to take take the role there. But surprising, considering they had the international break to find a manager and they, they didn't. There we go. <laughs> the will go to Tumba and probably not win. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys, I guess that's everything. Um, so I guess I can start wrapping up now. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, guys, for uh, following us on on social media while the international break was going on. We really love the interactions, and we get a, a lot of interactions over the international break for the ethnic So that's always nice to see. And just keep following us on all social media platforms because we're getting close to, I think, 13,000 followers on Facebook, which is something ridiculous, you know, really, really amazing stuff from you guys. So keep following us, keep recommending us um, because we put a lot of work in and we and we love to do the work that we do for you guys. And also uh, keep uh, keep recommending the podcast to people. Keep um, sending the podcast over to people who are interested in Greek football or people who are just interested in football in general. And please leave us a five-star review as well because it really helps us on all podcast platforms because anything that you listen to your podcast on, we're probably on it. So yeah, and thank you to Christian, Nigo and Michael for joining me as we talked about the Ethniki and uh, the start restart of the Super League. So thank you guys for joining me. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll chat again uh, after the re- the weekend's results, and we'll look at Europe the European games as well because there's a few big ones coming, and yeah. we'll see you guys then.